Hey everyone, this is Dr. Reeves welcoming you to the first week of our course EDEM 6629 Children's Literature and Integrated Arts. I'm so glad to be embarking on this learning journey with each of you and I feel confident that we will leave this course with more tools, more enthusiasm, and more urgency for our reading programs than we had before. There are two pieces of information that I hope will sort of drive this course. The first piece of information is focused on the behaviors, actions, and beliefs we need to adopt or nurture to convey a message to our schools, communities, families, and students that the expectation is that all children can and will read. And then the second piece of information, which causes me to feel a great sense of urgency, is related to the reading ability being tied directly to students' life chances. Our schools are spending more time on reading instruction than ever. And yet the majority of our students continue to demonstrate ability deficits in fourth grade. And those deficits continue to grow until eighth grade and sometimes they even grow again before 11th grade. So you might be thinking, this is just a course about children's literature and art, Dr. Reeves. It doesn't have to do with being all that serious. It should be fun. And I agree, it absolutely should be fun and I hope it is. But educators' beliefs about reading, learning to read, and what counts as literacy have a significant impact on what children learn to believe about reading, and specifically what they learn to believe about themselves as people who read. Pause the lecture here for a moment. Take some deep breaths and write down a couple of goals that you might have to keep those two pieces of information central in your mind as we journey through this course. How does this make you feel? What have you learned already about students' life chances and their connection to reading? What role does knowing children's life chances are directly tied to their reading abilities play in your planning, teaching, and preparation? So let's jump in. In 2019, NAEP data indicated that 63% of Georgia fourth graders performed at or above basic in reading. And keep in mind that this is data that was gathered before COVID. And so some of this information may have shifted um, quite a bit since then. BASIC in terms of NAEP, which is N-A-E-P, which stands for the National Assessment of Educational Progress, essentially means that the majority of fourth graders have partial mastery of prerequisite knowledge and skills that are fundamental for proficient work at each grade level. In other words, Georgia students have some, but not enough of the skills they need from the previous grade or grade levels to be successful at their current grade level. When students were evaluated in eighth grade, the number of students at or above basic had increased to 72%. So almost three quarters of eighth grade students in Georgia did not have the prerequisite skills needed to be successful in eighth grade, and specifically to be successful eighth grade readers. If young people are not reading independently by fourth or fifth grade, this is where things can begin to unravel for them. And by unravel, I mean they are receiving messages that they are not able to learn to read, and without reading, they really cannot be academically successful in any of the other content areas because by fourth grade, curriculum becomes more accelerated, requires greater independent reading, and places a larger emphasis on text with less scaffolding of language and less guidance. When young people are not reading by fourth or fifth grade, we also can see their peer relationships deteriorate and disruptive behaviors increase because school may no longer feel like a place of possibility, but becomes a place where young people feel humiliated, 
insufficient, and ostracized from what is an unspoken but major rite of passage in American culture, learning how to read. You'll remember from the Why Am I Taking This Course page from the introductory material for this class that I mentioned I would use the New Zealand's National Library's Teachers Creating Readers framework as a guiding tool for our content. In addition to being visually engaging, the framework's goal is to indicate to one and all that the expectation is that students will be and can be readers, each and every one of them. And the good news is we can reinforce this message by using sustaining practices in our classrooms, our schools, and our communities. The three major components of the Teachers Creating Readers Framework are teachers as readers, classrooms as reading communities, and schools as places with school-wide reading cultures. The course will mostly focus on the first two areas, but we'll also get some into the school-wide reading cultures as well. So let's think together here about teachers as readers. When teachers claim identities as readers, they typically read and model independent reading, know children's literature and young adults literature and adult literature, and are cognizant of their reading identities or know themselves as readers. Our identities as readers are part of our literacy identities, but reading and literacy are not the same thing. Reading is a component of literacy, but literacy also includes writing, languages, speaking, listening, interpreting, remixing, storytelling, singing, signing, and other types of communication used to operationalize or enact cultural practices. This includes a significant body of research that has validated and looked at the explosion of literacies that have emerged from youth cultures, digital platforms, and the entrepreneurial spirit of the 21st century. So some of us have greater preparation in school reading, writing, and speaking when we come to school, while others of us may have greater strengths in the areas of storytelling, performance, dance, and play. Some examples of these different literacy practices that children come to school with are from my own experience, and I'd like to share them now. I had a fifth grade student with a decorated World War II soldier in his family. The student was not especially enthusiastic about much of the curriculum, but he knew everything and then some about World War II. He was fascinated by the geography, artifacts, weapons, people, and transportation used at the time. So when we got to World War II in the curriculum, he held his head high, he raised his hand enthusiastically, and he led many of our explorations into the content. Most of this information had come to him through stories he's heard at home about his grandfather and his grandfather's experiences, and also through nonfiction reading that he had pursued to learn more. These experiences gave my students storytelling literacies and also nonfiction academic literacies. I realized that I was not going to be able to get him to relish the narrative fiction of Catherine Applegate, Kwame Alexander, or Julia Alvarez like I did, but we could compromise on at least getting a few pieces of historical fiction into his repertoire, like Marcus Zusak's The Book Thief, that would allow us to explore ELA content while maintaining his interest. So when teachers are readers, they can make instructional decisions and decisions based on student enjoyment when they are recommending or choosing books. Usually it takes just one or two impactful books that a student can read independently or listen to for the joy of reading to take hold. And the sooner this happens in elementary school, the greater chances we have at keeping students connected to their reading identities 
and to their beliefs about themselves as young people who belong in school. I struggled to learn to read, and luckily my mother was an educator and saw that my teachers were not going to teach me how to read at school. She was helping me at home in the afternoons, but she also drove me over an hour each way every day one summer so I could have access to structured literacy interventions. And these interventions were systematic and explicit and gave me the decoding skills and how to apply them I needed to progress in my reading journey. Despite English being borrowed from many different languages at different times in history, according to Louisa Motes, who is a renowned literacy scholar, 84% of English follows predictable spelling patterns that young people can be taught, like when we use CK at the end of the word versus when we use just K at the end of the word. One thing my mom made sure of, though, was that even though I was learning the spelling patterns to assist my encoding and decoding skill development, I was still getting the opportunity to read stories with beautiful language and imagery and messages. These experiences ultimately led me to improve my school literacies. Every child has literacies when they come to school, and students from any type of literacy background can and will learn to read. If young children come to kindergarten and are not reading yet, it's all right. Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and sometimes even fourth and fifth grade are places where children can learn to read. And children and families need to know that we are not going to abandon students if they aren't reading at a prescribed time in their school journey. Let's think about teachers as readers again. This week, we're thinking about global children's literature, which is a strong entry point into the Teachers Creating Readers framework. And it's a strong entry point because reading allows us to see reflections of ourselves and also to learn and love characters who are different from us too. Global children's literature broadens the reading frame to include literatures and stories told from all across the world. And we are seeing more and more publications from global authors and illustrators than ever before. Global literature does not have to only be fairy tales and myths or dated materials that don't resonate with young 21st century readers. It can include novels, stories, podcasts, plays, dances, songs, and nonfiction that, as Wooten says, accurately and honestly portrays our diversity while also showing our common humanity. Another aspect of the teacher's creating readers framework is called classroom as reading communities. To design reading communities, we offer high quality language arts curriculum, and we'll explore this aspect of the framework throughout the course. High quality language arts curriculum has three main components, foundation skills in areas like phonemic awareness, phonics, and fluency, close reading skills of quality and complex text, and a significant volume of reading on relevant, high-interest topics that build vocabularies and knowledge. To step into the readers creating, to step into the teachers creating readers framework, we're going to read a variety of children's literature together and on your own. We're going to consider ways to use small classroom-sized integrated arts to deepen students' enjoyment and understanding of children's literature. And we're going to evaluate, analyze, and create learning opportunities that engage students in deep learning. And I'm so excited to see where we go together. So let's kick off this week with two books about young readers learning to read in the US and in South Africa. And then we're also going to think about where we began to read or practices that we engaged in around any other types of literacy that brought us into the language, culture, and beliefs of our families.
We're also going to review and then replicate a lesson that takes students deeply into our text. Educators like students have and hold literacy histories, and those histories help us know what worked for us and give us some ideas about where we may need to strengthen our skills and abilities to bring young people into the joy of reading. I so look forward to learning with you this week, and I can't wait to see you in Canvas. Thanks, everyone.